first of all, I'm going to answer the, the, the elephant in the room question that you all are thinking right now. No, Pastor Tim has not got younger every time he gets up here and speaks, okay? <laughs> now, my name is Joshua Vining. I am the youth pastor here at Waters Church. Um, I am the guy that, that speaks to your teenagers every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I'm the guy that they're stuck with, and now, now I'm here with you guys. So, um, yeah. Uh, but first of all, guys, I just want to say, uh, I mentioned this to the, um, to the last service, too. This is just such a blessing for me to be able to do. I'm, I'm very thankful for Pastor Tim to give me the opportunity to come in here and share this with you guys, worship with you guys, and just uh, to be able to to speak to you today. So it's, it's probably more of a blessing for me than it even is for you. Um, but yeah. Um, and this is very different for me too, because I'm used to being in, in that room where I'm having to like whisper outside of the, the backstage, like, are you guys done playing? Oh, okay. And then I usually grab the podium and I'm having to carry it out myself. You guys make it easy for me. I just got to grab my Bible and my notes and everything's already out here and there's even a water. And so it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a, I don't know what anybody said about the water, but yeah, it's good water, if that's what you're asking, yes. Um, so I wanted to start off today just the, the same way I started off the last two services, guys. I, I want to start off just by opening in prayer. Uh, I, I don't believe that you guys are here to, to hear from me speak. I believe you want to hear from him. You want to hear from Jesus. So I think it would be best if we open up in prayer, and, uh, and then we'll get right to it after that, okay? All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Jesus, we lift our voices to you right now. We cry out to you right now, Lord, and we, we just ask that you speak to us today. We just ask that you speak to individually every person's heart in this room today. Some people, maybe for the very first time, maybe this is the first encounter they're going to have with you, Jesus. For others, maybe it's a a time of, uh, of you reminding them of their first love, Lord, of you. But I just pray that you speak to every single person in this room. Lord, whatever thoughts I have on my head right now, whatever I, I want to say, whatever I, I planned on saying, if it's not from you, Jesus, I pray that you just take it out of my head right now. Put on my heart, Holy Spirit, exactly what you want to speak to your children. Lord, we know that your word never comes back void. So we are expecting supernatural things today, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So the title of the message today is Fully Devoted. Fully Devoted. Um, I don't think there's any need for me to really explain the title, because honestly, as we start to get into this message, you're going to see why it's called Fully Devoted, why I named it that. Um, but I will tell you this, this message is going to be on the, the theme of worship, okay, on worship, and, and not just what worship is, we're going to talk about that and stuff, but also probably we're going to focus primarily on what is worth our worship, who is worth us worshiping, and that's really what we're going to focus on today. We're going to look at a, a passage out of Romans chapter 1, verse 19 through 25, um, but we're going to focus on one verse, actually, today. One verse that we're truly going to focus on. It's Romans 1, verse 25. And, and I don't know if any of you guys ever heard this before. I, I've heard this saying before that 
Um, every verse in the Word of God, every verse in the Bible is so rich with information. Has anybody else ever heard that before? Yeah, I've heard it too, but I, I, have, to, I have to admit to you guys, I've also read through the book of Leviticus, and I saw some verses that were all about just bloodlines of families, and I was a little bit of a skeptic of, is every verse really rich with information? But I will tell you, after, after reading and studying in Romans here, and, and what God has shown me, man, I, I, I'm a believer. Every verse is so rich with information. But we're going to read 19 through 25 because I want you guys to get context. I think context matters when we're reading the Word of God. So I want you guys to see what the Apostle Paul is saying here when he's writing this letter to the Roman church. So if you guys have your, your handheld Bibles on you, or if you have your, your physical Bibles on you, open up to Romans 1, uh, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible on you, lucky for you, we're just going to put it up on the screen anyway. Um, and you guys can stand with me as we read the Word of God. <clears throat> oh, and just a, um, just a little tidbit of information here, too. I, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Okay, um, And if you're new to Waters Church and you're wondering which translation is the best translation, New Living Translation, is it ESV, is it King James Version, is it Amplify, like what? I can answer for you re real easy. Whatever translation that you actually pick up and open up and read the most, that's the best translation right there. All right, Romans 1, uh, starting with verse 19. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I want to stop right there for a really quick second because when I was first reading this, 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 this verse, these two verses stuck, stood out to me so much because... Um, my, my mom lives in Virginia. She lives right out by the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I've, I've hiked a couple mountains out there before, one of them, Sharp Top Mountain. And I've looked out at the landscape before. And I don't know if anybody else here is a hiker or, you know, you've looked at landscape before, but, but you, you can't help but see the creation and the beauty that God made. And, and that's what Paul is saying here, okay? Paul is saying you don't have a choice to say that there's in insufficient evidence, right? I mean, just look at the beauty, look at the complexity, look at the intricacies in everything that was made. There's, you don't have the option of saying, oh, there's insufficient evidence of a creator. The only option you have is you can choose to ignore the evidence. But you can't say there's insufficient evidence. And that's what Paul's saying here. And I'm going to get back on topic here. So we're going to get to verse 21 here. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And then verse 25, this is our, our verse that we are going to concentrate on today. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And I think that amen is Paul saying, mic drop. 
No, I'm joking. You guys can have a seat now. So I want to I wanna start off this message by kind of sending out a question to you guys. More, more of a, you might even call it a statement, but I, I guess it's more of a question because there's a question mark at the end of it. Um, but what if I told you that every single human being on the face of the planet worships? Every single person worships something. And some of you guys, I can hear the amen. Some of you guys know right where I'm going with this. Others of you, I can sense that you're kind of scratching your head right now saying, well, I don't know if that's completely true. Like, I don't even raise my hands and sing when I come to church. Yeah, I don't know how much worship I really do. Or maybe you have family members or friends that, that don't even believe in God, that are, that are atheists, and you're thinking, well, I don't really know if they really worship, right? And, and if that's what you were thinking today, uh, you know, because if that's what you're thinking today, it's because your thoughts of worship is that worship is what we do here on Saturday and Sunday mornings when we sing and we lift our hands to God, right? And, and I'll tell you this, you are not wrong in thinking that. That is 100% part of worship. Worship with our lips, singing praises to God, worshiping his name. This is definitely worship, absolutely. But worship is so much more than just that. Worship is so much more than just what we do here on the weekends and, and with the songs of praise. So what I, what I want to do is, first of all, I, I want to put up the definition of the word worship, just so we're all kind of on the same page on what worship really means. So the definition of worship. Worship means the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. That's what it means, right? The expression of, of reverence and adoration for something that you put as a god. The, the word worship boiled down to the old English word. It, it originates from the word worth-ship, which means worthiness. Something that you put your worth into, right? That's what you worship, Right, so, so looking at that definition, can, can we all kind of be on the same page that we all agree that people can worship almost anything then, if that's the definition, right? Like we can absolutely worship money. We can put our worth in money. We can, put, we can adore and revere money. We can put money on a pedestal as like a, a Lord or a God in our life, a ruler of our life, right? We can worship anything else. We can worship physical things, but we can also worship Children, we can worship our spouses, we can worship anything. Amen. Everyone can worship anything. And, but this is the thing about worship is that most people don't even realize what they're worshiping. Right, like if I was to ask somebody, what do you worship? I mean, hopefully you guys would all say Jesus, right? I mean, that's what we'd say, right? Or maybe you would say something else, but, but most people don't even realize what they worship. It doesn't, we don't take time out to even think about what is becoming our, uh, uh, the object of our worship in our life, of what, what we adore the most, what we revere the most, what we express uh, love and fulfillment and, and worth towards, right? We don't think of that. But, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to give you guys just a, a, a quick uh, measurement a quick measurement of how you can kind of uh, look into your own life and really kind of figure out maybe what you are worshiping. So if you have your notes with you, this is in your notes. I'd love you to write down. It's a very quick thing. You can think about it right where you're sitting right now. 
This is a, a quick test. Three, three things, okay? If you look at what you spend the most time thinking about, doing, or paying attention to, I believe that it will lead you to probably what you worship in life. What you spend the most time thinking about, doing, and paying attention to is probably the object of your worship. And, and notice how when I said that, two out of the three things I gave you guys there to think about uh, are not physical actions, right? Like doing is a physical action, but thinking about, that's something that goes on in here, right? Something that you're always thinking about day and night, right? Something that you're paying attention to, the other thing paying attention to that catches your attention, right? Those, those are internal things. And, and I didn't do that by accident. I, I did it because I believe that worship starts internally. Jesus speaks about exactly where worship starts. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, and, and the first part of 9, Jesus is speaking to, the, to all the Pharisees, okay, and all the religious leaders of the time. And he's telling them, this is what he says to them, he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me. That word vain meaning nothing. It's zilch. It's not worth anything. Right? He's saying, hey, they're doing this. They're raising their hands. They're, they're saying they love me. They're saying all these nice things about me, but their heart is far from me. Amen. So their worship, it's nothing. It's worthless. And, and, and we, we understand, we, we, we can grasp this. Like, we understand this in our own life. Like, we, we understand that we can do one thing, we can say one thing, but genuinely inside mean, mean something else, right? I mean, I'll tell you guys, I'll give you guys a little secret right now. I would help my friends with almost anything. I, I really would. But there's one thing, one thing that I've pretty much made it very clear to almost anybody that knows me that I will not do, and it's help somebody move. I do not like helping people move. I don't know why I don't like it. I mean, it can't be because you just hurt your back every time and they tell you that's only gonna take two hours and it takes 10 hours. And then at the end of the day, they give you a little two slices of pizza and tell you thank you for helping them. It can't be because of any of that. I mean, I, I don't know why. But no, I, I don't like helping people move. But, so I don't usually do it, but I, I have helped a couple times and I remember one specific time right, right after college, um, we were, one of my friends needed help moving into his, his new apartment. And he asked me, and I almost initially was like, absolutely not. But then I started to think to myself about my lease was going to run up two months from then. And I was going to need somebody to help me move. So I graciously agreed and said, oh man, absolutely. I'd love to help you. So I ended up helping him move just so he would eventually return the favor and help me move. Now, on the outside, you look at the appearance, you look at the deed that I'm doing, right? I mean, it shows one thing, but let's be honest, my heart had a whole complete different thing in mind. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And then this is what Jesus is showing us here is that worship starts in your heart. Yes, this is good, and this is an expression of what your heart is overflowing with, right? But it all starts in your heart. It's not about what you say. It's not about what you tell people. It's about what's in here first. That's where everything begins. And saying this, I, I want you guys to understand that worship is a great thing. It's not a bad thing. We were created to worship. 
right? That's not the problem. We, our hearts long to worship something. This is why we all worship. We, are, we, we, are, we were made by our creator to worship, okay? The problem is, is not everything is worth our worship. Not everything is worth our worship. So that's what I want to look at tonight. I, I, want to, I want us to all be able to kind of see what or who is worth our worship. So I'm going to open back up to Romans 1.25, the verse that I told you guys we're going to be focusing on here. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to take a drink of water. Three services. My, my throat actually does get dry after a while. <clears throat> okay, Romans 1.25. It says, They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. Worshipped and served. Worshipped and served. You know, we all know that, that word and, that's a conjunction word, right? That, that's a connecting word. So what Paul's doing here is he's laying it out very clearly to us that worshiping and serving are connected, right? And, and this is the first point that I have on your guys' notes here that I want you to fill in. What you choose to worship, you will serve. What you choose to worship, you will serve. And just looking at that, this is why it's so important to know what is worth worshiping, right? Because you may be saying to yourself, well, so what if I worship my girlfriend? So what if I worship money? Who cares if I choose to worship my children? Who cares? Well, this is why. Because you got to understand that whatever you choose to worship, you will serve it with your life. You will serve it. So if money is the object of your worship, if you revere and adore money and you put money as, as your worth in your life and you put it up here, right, you are going to serve that money for the rest, for as long as that's your object of worship. You will do whatever it takes. You will step on people. You will, you will substitute family out of it. Whatever it will take to get that object of worship, you will serve it. Well, one of the biggest things we see today in culture, I think, Honestly, if, if I had to think of one example of probably the, the biggest temptation of, of something to worship, I would say it'd be ourselves. It'd be ourselves. We see it everywhere. People, and we may not say this, we may not say that we worship ourselves, but we can just see it, right? People serve what they worship. So if you worship yourself, what are you, who are you going to serve? Yourself. You're going to do everything it takes to make you happy, to make you satisfied, to make you feel good about yourself, right? This is why this word uh, offense or you're being offensive or you're offending me, why it's so big right now. It's so big right now in our culture because no one wants to hear anything that's going to offend them because of what they're worshiping is themselves. Then they're going to want to serve themselves and they're going to want to do anything it takes to make them feel comfortable. Make them feel happy. And anything that goes against that, anybody that says anything like that, absolutely not. you got to cut it off. They worship themselves. It's easy to do. You know, I, I, was, I was looking this up on um, the news the other week. Um, I don't know if anybody heard, but there was one day there where the stock market crashed, I think, 1,100 points in one day. Don't freak out. It did go back up the next day, but any of you guys that are looking at your 401k right now, I, I hope I didn't break that news to you. Um, but it, it dropped about 1,100 points in one day. 
And it literally, in that one day of, of dropping, um, they said it was one of the biggest drops in years, I think since the recession. And there was a story out that there was actually two people on Wall Street that actually committed suicide on that day. And the, the whole story was, was about an epidemic that's been starting to happen on Wall Street. And, and the author is talking about how this is not something new. This isn't a new occurrence. This happened back during the recession. This happened back in the 80s. I guess there was a day back then that there's, there's happened back for beginning of time. Right? And they started to try to come to conclusions like, oh, well, maybe it's because they're under so much stress, right? Because a financial person, like they're under a lot of high stress all the time. But I look at it and I'm wondering, is it that? Or is it just that the object of their worship just got taken away from them? Because, because I think about this, guys, for, for, for a while. Okay, I think the only thing worse than worshiping the wrong thing is worshiping the wrong thing for years and wasting your whole life serving that thing and then finding out in the end it never satisfied, it never fulfilled, and all it did is leave you empty at the end. I mean, think about this. These poor men worshiped whatever it was, if it was money, and served it with their life for 10, 20, however many years, just to see it taken away from them. Do you know what that does to you? These things, these created things, these weren't made for us to worship, though. There is only one who satisfies. There is only one who's the source of all joy, all peace, all love, and it's Jesus. What you worship, though, you will serve. Let's take a look at the, uh, the verse again, Romans 1.25. It says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. We all know what that word traded means, right? It means you have to give something up, right? We had to give up Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers for second round pick. Thank you. Right? That's what, that's what Paul's saying here. You have to tra- if you trade something, you can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? You had to, they had to give something up, right? They traded the truth about God for a lie. And that word truth about God. Right, when we talk about worshiping God, when we talk about worshiping Jesus, right, out of our heart, what Paul's saying here with the truth about God is, is, is to truly worship him. You need to have the right understanding of who he is. His infinite worth right? The God of love, the God of mercy, the God of grace, but also the God of judgment, the God of wrath, even the things we don't want to always think about. If we're making up this thing in our mind of, oh, well, I'll worship God, that, that God that just loves me and does everything for me and, you know, you know, that wants to just make me happy inside every second of the day, that's, that's not the truth about God. That's a made-up version. So what Paul's saying is, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, okay? I looked at this and, and really it comes down to two things. We have two options on what we wanna serve. You're either gonna serve the creator, right? Like I said, the creator who created the heavens and the earth, who's been there yesterday, today, and forever, right? or you're gonna worship something that he created, the created things. It's that simple. You only have two options. 
And I know that may sound very simple to you, and you may be like, man, this is kind of like simple stuff that he's saying here. Right, well, uh, let me tell you right now. The gospel is simple. God loves us too much to make this complex. Right? This is meant for us to understand. And it's very easy. You have two options. You can either serve something that's created or the creator himself. Those are our only two options. And this brings us to our second point. God's positioning in our life determines how we use the blessings in our life. Notice how I, I said God's positioning in our life, right? Because we can't change God's positioning. Right? The book of Isaiah said that God is high and lifted up, sitting on a throne, right? We know that Jesus is at the right hand seat of God the Father. There ain't no change in that. No matter if we choose to worship him or not, no matter if we exist today or don't tomorrow, nothing is gonna change who God is or where he is positioned. That's not gonna change. What we do have a choice of is where he's positioned in our life, where we position God in our life. And, and I really believe that this is the reason why we see so many failed marriages, so many, so many heartbreaks, is because we, we don't position the, the created things, people, correctly, and we don't position God in our life correctly. So what we do is we position somebody, whether it be a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whoever it is, somebody that we love and cherish, we put them in a place where they were never meant to be. So, so we, we put them on a pedestal where only God should have been and we start to find our adoration and, and we start to find our worth in them and we're looking for it in them so we serve that object of our worship and when that object of our worship lets us down and doesn't show love and doesn't fulfill us the way that we thought we would, we come collapsing down. We get this depressed, we get discouraged because they were never meant to be there in the beginning. They were never gonna fulfill that from the beginning. So God's positioning in our life determines how we use the blessings in our life. And I say that because the blessings in your life, whatever it may be, these are not bad things, okay? These are good things, right? If God has blessed you financially, oh, awesome. That is awesome. If God has blessed you with a healthy family, with a beautiful wife and children, amazing. God bless you, that's awesome, right? These are not bad things. It's when we put them in the wrong position in our life and they start to be the thing of worship in our life that they start to be used incorrectly. I, I want to jump ahead to Romans chapter 12. Because Paul talks about this real quick here. Romans 12 verse 1. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, right? That, that word sacrifice there, that, that word sacrifice there references back to the Old Testament sacrifice where the Israelite nation used to, used to sacrifice a, a goat or a bull, an unblemished animal. And this was the, the center of their worship to God to show his infinite worth in their life. They would, they would sacrifice these animals and that was the atonement of their sin to make them right standing with God again, right? But, but Paul doesn't just say sacrifice. He says living sacrifice. 
because what he's saying is you were once dead in your trespasses. You were once dead in your sins, but because the perfect sacrifice that God sent down on, to, on earth, on the cross to die for your sins, Jesus Christ, you are now alive forevermore. So now you can present your bodies as a living sacrifice for him. Everything in your life, all your, your bodily life can be used as a living sacrifice. And once we start to get this, once we start to understand and put God in the right position of our life, man, then we can use all these blessings correctly. We can start to love and honor and sacrifice for our wife or our husband. We can start to love and honor our children. We can start to use our finances to glorify him, to, to, to sacrifice and help others with. These are not bad things. These can be used to glorify Jesus. Everything. We are a living sacrifice. I want to leave you guys. I got one more, uh, one more statement I want to make, and then we're gonna we'll get to the the last point here, point three. And I should be able to word this correctly now because I've I've uh, done it for two two messages now. But <clears throat> I want to ask you guys this: What if I told you that praise and worship isn't for God's benefit, but it's actually for ours? That praise and worship isn't for God's benefit, but it's actually for ours. You know, because if you're anything like me, uh, if you think like I do a little bit, maybe you've struggled with this before, because I did. I struggled with this a lot, you know, because I kind of was thinking in, in human terms, right? I was thinking, why, why would God, like, command us to praise and worship him? Like, you know, like, is he this, this being that's up there just saying, Choose me, like, I, I created you. Look, I sent my son to die for you, you know. Like, you better get on your knees and praise me. You better worship me, right? And, and, and the reason why we kind of think this way many times is because in human's per perspective, in our perspective, right, if somebody asked you to praise them, you would look at them kind of like, oh, you are the most conceited person I've ever met in my life, right? Like, if I looked at you guys and said, you know, praise me up here, praise me, you'd be like, this guy is the most self-centered son of a gun I've ever seen in my life, Right? But it's different with God. It's different. Actually, let me read this to you from Acts chapter 17, verse 25. It says, And human hands can't serve his needs. For he has, and this is God, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. God doesn't have any needs. He was completely satisfied and perfect even before we existed. And he will be completely satisfied after. I want you guys just to do something with me real quick here. Can you just take a deep breath in? All right, let it out. That breath right there was because he allowed us to take that. Every, not only does God not need anything, but it goes a step further. It says, not only does God not need anything, but we need him. We need him. So I, again, like looking at this, I'm like, all right, so 
If, if God doesn't need us, then why does he command us to praise and worship him? And it didn't take me long just to, just to see it in how God created us. It's very simple. It's very simple. You know, I, I can just look around at people and look at, my, look at my own life, right? We praise what we like. No question about it. We all praise what we like. We don't even have to worship it. We can just like it and we'll praise it, right? Like I see... Husbands and wives, if you like your husband, wives, okay, you will praise if he does something good, right? You'll tell your friends about it. You'll be like, man, he is so good with the kids, and he did the dishes the other day. Oh, he's such a great man, right? Guys, you'll be like, oh, you see how beautiful my wife is, or if you're dating, you'll be like, hey, did you check out how beautiful my girlfriend is, right? We praise what we like, right? I know the Patriots lost the Super Bowl, but let me tell you, there ain't gonna stop being any praising about how good Brady is, right? He's the GOAT, he's the greatest of all time. We praise what we like. Especially if we go to another city, we're definitely gonna praise who, who Brady is, right? I mean, this is what we do. And I challenge you to look at this for a second, just think about this for a second. I guarantee when you praise that thing that you liked, I guarantee it, you had a smile on your face. Something happened inside of you by praising that thing that you liked. It wasn't enough just for you to like it, you had to praise it because it completed some type of joy in your heart. And this brings me to our last point here. If you have your, your notes on you, I want you to put this in. Joy is completed in our hearts when we praise and worship the source, Jesus. Jesus is the only being in the universe where gathering praise and worship to him is not sinful, is not self-conceited, but it's actually love. Because he knows how he created us. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He knew you when you were knit in your mother's womb. He knew you before the foundations of the earth. He knows how he created you. And he knows that he is the source of all joy, of all love, of all peace, of all the things we've been searching for. All the fulfillment our heart has desired, that our souls have been crying out for, that's who Jesus is. So he knows that if he created us to praise what we like, how much more are we gonna wanna praise what we worship? And if we worship the source of everything, then he knows the praise will overflow out of our hearts and complete a joy that we've been longing for. Jesus doesn't benefit from our worship and praise. We do. Amen. 